Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the 50th chapter, beginning at verse 4 and continuing through verse 9. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me, who will contend with me. Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Indeed, this is the day on which we commemorate Jesus' triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem. And so as our gospel reading this morning, we turn to the book of Mark in the 11th chapter, the opening 11 verses, as we hear this author's account of what transpires. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olivet, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately as you enter it, you will find there tied a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks upon it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Bracketed by shouts of Hosanna, these two lines from the gospel according to Mark wonderfully encapsulate for us 
the longing and the expectations that the people had for Jesus, the one who would be their Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This phrase comes to us directly from the Psalms, which have been called both the hymnal and the prayer book of the Hebrews. It's part of one of their sung petitions of prayer and thanksgiving, one that gives praise to God for having listened to their cries and for having delivered Israel in her time of trial. It's a psalm that also includes the words that are so pertinent to this day, bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. The words of Psalm 118 were very near and dear to those who came to shout these Hosanna along the route which Jesus rode into the city because these words from of old, they spoke directly to the situation that the people found themselves living in on this very day. They had been living through their own time of trial and it seemed that in this very moment, Their God was acting in response to their cries by beginning the deliverance of his people through this Jesus who would lead them out from the oppression of the nations. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. This was the second refrain recorded here in the gospel according to Mark. This too was a familiar refrain to the Hebrews. While it wasn't a direct quote from Psalms, it is nonetheless a summation of the words of many of their prophets through the ages. This is the day the people were thinking. The time is finally at hand when those words spoken by so many of our ancestors' voices so long ago, they finally would begin coming to pass. For so long, it had seemed, they had been undergoing travails as a people. They were more than ready by now for God to act through his anointed one to bring about a change, to do mighty things which the nations had prevented them from doing. And in this moment... Many thought that the kingdom of Israel was surely to be reestablished very soon under the command of this Jesus, the descendant of David, who at last publicly and royally had processed into their capital city. The people saw the blessing of Jesus as king, which he truly was, though his reign was far different from that expected. Yet, the people may well have missed the blessing of Jesus as Savior. There are two very different, though related observances suggested for this day on the church calendar, both of which are designed to focus the attention of the faithful on related but distinctive roles which Jesus was to dramatically play for us this week. The revised common lectionary, which serves as an aid 
for planning worship by suggesting a series of scripture readings for each Sunday in the year, offers two different liturgies for this Sunday. The first is called the Liturgy of the Palms, and the second is called the Liturgy of the Passion. Because today is Palm Sunday, the first suggestion is rather self-evident. We celebrate the coming of the King. The second one is there because a week from today, we will be celebrating Easter, and there are no Sundays between now and then on which to observe the passion of the Christ. Even before the word pandemic became part of our unfortunate vocabulary of the everyday, there were many churches which only held worship once a week at best. Well, for the last year and a a little more in this country, many more churches have met less frequently than that. Having a, a Maundy Thursday or a Good Friday service at your church was the exception rather than the rule. Well, the editors of the Revised Common Lectionary recognized this reality as they compiled their suggestions for ways to order worship among the churches who chose to follow, so they made provision for observing the last hours of Jesus' life during the service just prior to Easter. As it also happens to traditionally be observed as Palm Sunday, they thus provided their, their readers with two paths to travel. As worship leaders on this Sunday, you might say we are doubly blessed. As it's always a challenge, though, to incorporate both of these themes in a single sermon, I've tried to subtly incorporate the notion of a liturgy of the passion into the flow of this morning's whole worship service so it moves a bit like the weather that we've had this weekend. Yesterday morning, you may remember, dawned, if you saw it, clear and and bright. And by noon, the sun had warmed up nicely. But then the clouds rolled in and the winds picked up and eventually there were a few passing showers which served as a prelude to today. A day which began by being slowly transformed from the black of night to a a misty, foggy, gray haze with some more rain and the threat of of strong to severe storms on tap for this afternoon, bringing to mind the ordeal which Jesus endured en route to becoming our Savior. They who lined the street when Jesus rode that borrowed animal, they who spread their cloaks and branches in his path, they who shouted their hosannas, they were indeed blessed to be witnesses to history, even as they were blessed to be, even if only briefly, in the presence of the one that they correctly perceived to be the Messiah, the King. And I would submit to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that we too are doubly blessed, for we are able to commemorate this event. We are blessed to know of its occurrence, to have had it recorded and preserved for us in multiple counts 
of how on this historic holy day these events transpired all these generations past now. And we are blessed with the knowledge of how God once again mysteriously and perhaps even a bit frustratingly moves in the lives of his people. It helps point us to the identity and the purpose of the divine. And so as we observe this festival day, we are further blessed with the knowledge that what appeared to be a triumph turned tragedy is ultimately an unprecedented triumph after all. We know that the earthly reign of this anointed heir to the throne of David is about to become a disappointingly abrupt, crucified, failed Messiah. But we also know that there is indeed another chapter to this saga which begins next week on Easter. Because of this wonderful knowledge, we are blessed recipients of the good news that continues to be passed down through the generations. And we have been blessed so, Scripture reminds us, that we might be a blessing ourselves. For the gospel message that's gone out for 2,000 years still needs us to not only receive it as a blessing, which it truly is, but to share it that others may also be blessed by and through it. I was delighted to receive the recent update from Steve Adkins, which Wayne shared with us earlier this morning as our moment for mission today. The timing in it couldn't be better. For we are in receipt of a document which details the efforts of our ministry partner who reports the ways in which he has been blessed and is in turn a blessing to others. His illustration and his example are powerful and challenging, inviting his readers to themselves become more involved in similar endeavors. And as he describes his interaction with one particular individual, named Michael, I am reminded once again how often it is that when we intentionally seek ways to be a blessing to others, that we too wind up being blessed in the moment. We are, so to speak, doubly blessed. And make no mistake, we are doubly blessed. Not only have we been given life through the agency of a benevolent creator, but we have also been given new life through the atoning sacrifice of a loving Savior. On Palm Sunday, we are reminded of the triumph of Jesus' coming to Jerusalem in the pomp of a peasant who is royally received. We are also invited to consider that the salvific work which he was to accomplish for us would be done so only as he humbly stepped away from the coronation service that men wanted to hold for their sake so that he might receive the crown of glory that the Father wanted to bestow on him for our sake. And for that we may truly say, 
thanks be to God and amen.